And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. <laughs> that was from uh, the movie. That was what Sam said. He's like, hee-haw. Ah, <laughs> did you even watch the movie? <laughs> I guess not. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> the guy, Sam, he said he always said hee haw. He owned the plastic factory. Anyhow. Oh, yeah, yeah. The plastic <laughs> factory. You know, it's funny you say that because there's the part when he's like, I don't want my I don't want to get married. I don't want a, a life in plastics. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, didn't get, I totally I didn't forgot get about the plastic guy. I'm like, I don't think I know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> What kind of plastics are we talking about here? Right. So, yeah, a lot of commitment but. there. Anyway, how you doing? Anyways, I'm 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 good, man. I think so. It's uh, what do we got? Uh, ten more days till Christmas. Great Nine more days world. till Christmas. With the snow coming down. Uh, and oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think we'll have when this releases. There will only be four days left till Christmas. Ooh. So yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, I Muchos didn't... fantasticos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge Christmas fan, but after watching this movie, I became a Christmas Christmas fan again. Oh, so, um, but yeah, I'm doing pretty well, man. Uh, sorry if I have a slight lisp. I have a uh, some invisible teeth aligners because I'm trying to get my teeth nice and straight. So if I sound odd, just yell at me. Okay. I don't yell. I'm not a yeller. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't even yell without laughing. It's it's just not in my nature to yell. It's so weird. I'm not capable of doing it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Um. So what have you been watching? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I finished up the Harry Potter marathon. I watched six and both parts of seven. Fantastic. I really like seven a lot. I know that some really? people... Yeah, some people don't like how dark it is. I just I like I like all the danger. It was it was boring. cool. I, I like it a lot. I think it's just fucking John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith all in the tents for well, like do you know two that hours. His, his his name is my name too. All right, so that's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know. Uh, I just yeah. feel like they're always camping and yelling and fighting and I, and the whole part with Ron being upset for a while just bugs, dude. He was uh, Harry, Harry was getting close to his girl. What do you expect? Yeah, he's got to fight back. On. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I also watched Next Friday. That was it's hilarious. It still holds up. I started the, the boys one in Rancho Cucamonga. Yeah, I'm the king of Rancho <laughs> Cucamonga. <laughs> yeah. So fucking funny. And oh man, it's uh, yeah, it's great. So I watched that, and then I started watching the boys season two. It's good. I'm two episodes in. I really enjoy it. Carl Urban is a treasure. He's just so awesome at what he does. And then I have been playing the shit out of Ghost of Tsushima. And it is such an awesome game. It's beautiful. It's fun. And what I like to do in RPGs is all the side quests first. So I ranked up my guy and I just started act. Well, I started act two not too long ago, but I think I'm I have almost all of the like charm slots unlocked. Uh, I have the Gosaku armor. I had to go do the special quest for that. I have 
like different sword techniques and I have all of the stances. So I just unlocked moon stance and dude, it's awesome. It's, it's really, really fun. I enjoy it a lot. And it's just, a, it, it's a, a marvel to look at. I applaud the developers. It was a, it's a fantastic game. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Sure. Yeah, what about one. you? Um, actually, I really love Ghost of Tsushima. That's my game of the year. Yeah, it's uh, uh it's pretty god pretty goddamn good. I'm I think The Last of Us Part Two uh slightly takes the cake for me just because it was the story was incredible. But this game is so fun and oh, I enjoy it a lot. I actually want to go play it right now that I'm talking about it. I watched a lot of movies these last couple of days. Saturday alone, dude. Check out my Saturday. It began with Miracle, then a leak of their own, <laughs> and Glorious Bastards underwater, Rogue One, then Interstellar before I went Woo. to Nani Time. Yeah, and it was like two in the morning. We didn't, I didn't even start till like almost noon. So it was a long, long little movie watching day. I'm surprised you watch Interstellar again since you hate the ending so much. That's the, that's the thing. So I I really don't like that movie. I want to like it. I feel like there's something there. And even David pointed out, he's like, you watched it again? He's like, well, no one can say you didn't give it a chance. And so, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't do it. It bugs. And then uh, yesterday... We had a bit of a Jurassic Park marathon. We watched uh, one, two, and three. And then today I watched The Family Stone whilst I was working. Were you bawling your eyes out? Oh, my God. That movie makes me cry. I think it is so funny, though. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I um, I really like Jurassic Park 3. A lot of people didn't like it. I enjoyed it. Hmm. Yeah. I like it when they're in the pterodactyl cage and the one's walking on the bridge and it comes out of the fog. It's pretty yeah, cool. that's pretty crazy. Yeah, so sweet, man. You you had a very busy weekend. Yeah, I'm doing nothing. Just sitting there <laughs> watching the TV. Um, but yeah, it was good. Good times. Not going to complain. But are you ready to talk about It's a Wonderful Life? Yes, sir. Yes, I am. Oh, my God. 1946, directed by Frank Capra, uh, also known for The Strongman, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, not to be confused with Mr. Deeds from Adam Sandler, but it's essentially the same thing. Uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington there and uh, pocket full of miracles. So did you ever some... see Mr. Smith goes to Washington? Yeah, I had to watch it in like government or something. Me too. Yeah, because it was about a filibuster. He's like, I'm going to build a boys camp. I'm Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I like that movie, though. Gonna talk for two hours. and everyone's That's all they it. did. And yeah. then just collapses at the end. I'm like, oh, no, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> oh, well, what can you do? Uh, written by Francis Goodrich. Albert Hackett, not to be confused with Buddy Hackett, and Frank Capra. The cast includes one Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, Lionel Barrymore, who was Potter, and then, uh, at least I think that was him, <laughs> Thomas Mitchell, Henry Travers, and Todd Carnes. I have to check my math on that one. I'm pretty sure that was Potter. Potter. <laughs> Shit. So he does, you know. Yeah. Um, but as far as critical reception goes, wouldn't you know it that this movie is just a whopping 94% on the old uh, Rotten Tomato meter there. I couldn't find wow. any negative reviews off on the first page. So it is just beloved by all. Uh, and in fact, Chris Stuckman from ChrisStuckman.com. I like Chris Stuckman. I watch all of his uh, videos. He's really good on YouTube. There you go. A movie people will have a good time watching with their families for enduring decades. Well said. I just got stuckmanized. That's what he says at the end. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Mark Lee from Daily Telegraph. 
The inspirational, thoroughly festive ending is guaranteed to bring tears to the eyes. Yeah. I'd say that's pretty accurate. Yeah? Did you get a little choked up at the end there? Oh, my God, Everyone's yeah. throwing just... singles at the uh, George Bailey to do a little dance. <laughs> I was like, I'm not crying. I'm just sweating from my eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid Diamond Dallas page <laughs> page allergies. allergies. <laughs> Jimmy yeah. the King can't lose. <laughs> yeah. Danielle Salzman from Salzy at the Movie says, you can really see Capra's feelings come through on screen after George wishes he had never been born. This Whomping Willow's been on these grounds since before you were born. <laughs> so there you have it. Budget of $3.1 million, which is actually pretty spendy for 1946. I'll say. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much built that whole town. Um, yeah. And then Bedford Falls. <laughs> and um, we don't have any real numbers. It did come out January 7th, 1947. It's actually Max wife's birthday, January 7th. How about that? Um, worldwide, the box office is a whopping $6.1 million. Dang. So there, you, there you have it. I'm sure those numbers are a little different now because i don't know how it works with uh, yeah, purchases $1 million dollars is roughly 5.8 billion dollars by 2020 there standards there you go give or take a billion or two <laughs> you could buy your own country for that so. yes very small one before we were an army without a country now we have to decide which country we want to buy <laughs> for all you uh die hard with the vengeance fans Mm-hmm. I'm just quoting tonight. This is great. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of motion picture shows, so I got a lot on the brain. Just a author. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, just a author. just go. <laughs> what did I watch? I watched one, two, three, four, five, six movies on Saturday. That could have had six minute abs. <laughs> seven, oh, seven, 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 the magic number. <laughs> Think about it. Seven, eleven, seven dwarves, seven man. That's the number. Seven chipmunks rolling on a branch, eating lots of sunflowers on my uncle's ranch. You know that old children's tale from the sea. It's like you're dreaming about gorgonzola cheese when it's clearly pre time, baby. <laughs> it's pre time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I digress. Well, right, can I read you some trivia? You can. I can't wait to hear the trivia. There, I like. I like knowing useless things. I'm not gonna lie. Will you take the third part last? I will, in fact, <laughs> take the third part last. <laughs> All right. For the scene that required Donna Reed to throw a rock through the window of the Granville House, director Frank Capra hired a marksman to shoot it out on cue. Aww. To everyone's amazement, Reed broke the window by herself. She had played baseball in high school and had a strong throwing arm. Girls can't play baseball unless you're Marla Hooch. <laughs> what a hitter. What a hitter. Oh, man, I love I'm that singing, song. I'm singing for Nelson. Ain't that right, baby? Ain't that right, baby? It had to be you. You, 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 you. Why don't we go in the back seat and you make a man out of me? How about we go back there and I slap you silly? Yeah, he's like, all right, whatever. I love that movie. Yeah, the, uh, the the gym floor that opens up in the middle to reveal the swimming pool underneath was filmed at Beverly Hills High School in Beverly Hills, California, USA. Mine was real. Yeah, it was real and it is still in regular use. The same gymnasium moving floor was used in similar school dance scene in Whatever It Takes from the year 2000, 54 years later. I've never seen that movie. Um, 
James Stewart was nervous about the phone kiss scene because it was his first on-screen kiss since his return to Hollywood after the war. Oh yeah, that's right. He was a soldier. Under director Frank Capra's watchful eye, Stewart filmed the scene in one in only one unrehearsed take, and it worked so well that the part of the embrace was cut because it was too passionate to pass the censors. Interesting. Ooh. <laughs> I thought, it was a, I thought it was a little rapey, honestly. He was really <laughs> forcing himself on her. And I was like, bro, calm smut, smut, down. Smut. Yeah. The uh, the set for Bedford Falls was constructed in two months and was one of the longest sets that had ever been made for the American movie. Uh, it covered four acres of RKO's Encino Ranch. He's from Encino. It, uh, it included 75 stores and buildings, a main street, a factory district, and a large residential and slum area. Main Street was 300 yards long, three whole city blocks. Ranked as the number one most inspirational movie of all time by the AFI, the American Film Institute. Pretty cool. So, interesting. All right, here's a synopsis. On Christmas Eve 1945 in Bedford Falls, New York, 38-year-old George Bailey contemplates suicide. The prayer of his family and friends reaches heaven, where Angel Second Class Clarence Oddbody is assigned to save George to earn his wings. Clarence is shown flashbacks of George's life. He watches 12-year-old George save his brother, Harry, from drowning, but loses hearing in his left ear. Later, George prevents his distraught town druggist, Mr. Gower, from accidentally poisoning a child's prescription. In 1928, George plans a world tour before college and is reintroduced to Mary Hatch, who has always had a crush on him. The attraction is now mutual. When his father suffers a stroke and dies, George postpones his travel to sort out the family business. Bailey Brothers Building and Loan, which avaricious board member Henry F. Potter, uh, who control, <laughs> controls most of the town's businesses, seeks to dissolve. The other board members vote to keep the building and loan open if George will run it. George acquiesces and works alongside his uncle, Billy, and gives his tuition to Harry, with the understanding that Harry will run the business when he graduates. Harry returns from college married with and with an excellent job offer from his father-in-law. George is dejected, but doesn't stand in Harry's way and continues running the building and loan. Immediately following their wedding, George and Mary witness a run on the bank and use their $2,000 honeymoon savings to keep the building and loan solvent. Under George's leadership, the company eventually establishes Bailey Park, a modern housing development to rival Potter's overpriced slums. Potter offers George $20,000 a year to be his assistant, but realizing that Potter's true intention is to shut down the building and loan, George rebuffs and rebukes him. During World War II, George is ineligible for service because of his deaf ear. Harry becomes a Navy pilot and earns the Medal of Honor for shooting down a kamikaze plane headed for a troop transport. On Christmas Eve 1945, as the town prepares a hero's welcome for Harry, Billy goes to the bank uh, to deposit $8,000 of the building and loans cash. Billy taunts Potter with a newspaper headline about Harry, but unintentionally wraps the envelope of cash in Potter's newspaper and hands it to Potter. Potter finds the envelope but says nothing, while Billy cannot recall how he misplaced the cash. With a bank examiner reviewing the company's records, George realizes scandal and criminal charges will follow. Fruitlessly retracing Billy's steps, George berates him and takes out his frustration on his family. George desperately appeals to Potter for a loan, offering him life insurance his life insurance policy with $500 in equity as collateral. Based on the policy's $15,000 nominal value, Potter says George is worth more dead than alive and phones the police to arrest him for misappropriation of funds. George flees, gets drunk at a bar, and prays in vain for help. 
Suicidal, he goes to a nearby bridge, but before he can jump, Clarence dives into the river. George leaps in and rescues him. When George wishes he had never been born, Clarence shows him a timeline in which he never existed. Bedford Falls is now Pottersville, an unsavory town occupied by sleazy entertainment venues, crime, and amoral people. The lives George touched are vastly different. The druggist, Mr. Gower, was in prison for manslaughter since George was not around to prevent him from poisoning the pills. George's mother doesn't know him and reveals that Billy was institutionalized after the building and loan failed. Bailey Park is a cemetery where George discovers young Harry's grave. Since George did not save Harry, Harry was not there to save the soldiers on the transport ship. George finds that Mary is a spinster librarian. Spinster librarian. When he claims to be her husband, she screams to the police and George runs away. <laughs> now convinced that Clarence is his guardian angel, George returns to the bridge and begs for his life back. The original reality is restored and a grateful George rushes home to await his arrest. Merry Christmas, everybody. Mary and Billy arrive after rallying the townspeople who donate more than enough to cover the missing $8,000 and his arrest warrant torn off. Harry arrives and toasts George as the richest man in town. George receives a copy of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer as a gift from Clarence with a note reminding George that no man is a failure who has friends and thanking him for his wings. At that moment, a bell on the Christmas tree rings. George's youngest daughter, Zuzu, explains that it means that an angel has earned his wings, signifying Clarence's promotion. George, his family, and friends all together sing Ole Lang Syne as they celebrate Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's a Christmas miracle from Jimmy Stewart. So, yeah. DJ says every time a bell rings, an angel, an gets, angel his gets its wings. That's the only part of this movie I've seen, and, I, and the first time I ever saw that part was in Christmas Vacation. Oh, really? Okay, cool. I was going to ask, you know, when was the first time you watched this movie, and uh, what were your first impressions? But I'll get your first impressions right now, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah, so actually, the first time I've ever seen this movie was uh, in the year of our Lord 2020. Um, I saw it yesterday. That was the very first time I saw it. And you know what? I really did not enjoy the first hour and a half of it. I was kind of bored. I was like, where's the Christmas coming from? When is that going to happen? This is just a a black and white movie with a lot of weird ongoings. And I wasn't really feeling it. But then the final quarter, the final 30 minutes or so. I don't even think it's 30 minutes. I think it's like 22. That's really short. yeah. Yeah. It's not 30, it's got to be like 29 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the final quarter, it was really good and it fully redeemed itself. And, you know, as I pondered on it, I just appreciated it more and more. Uh, it's still not my favorite holiday film, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I think it's an, it's going to be an annual viewing for me. It just, it really hit me in the feels, this one. I was very, very happy at the end. So, yeah. Right. When did you see it? Uh, I saw it when I was a kid. And then it's been a spell. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while. Uh, it's probably been at least 20 years since I've seen it. Maybe 30. I don't know. It's been a long time. Damn, bro. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really into the Christmas movies. I mean, I, I like a few. I mean, like I, I, I love Home Alone and uh, Trapped in Paradise and The Family Stone. And um, I think I, think I even like The Holiday. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> but... Uh, I've never really been sort of the the annual Christmas movie. I have to watch this kind of guy. I mean, I, that's when I watch my Lord of the Rings stuff and things that I am familiar with in the, around the holiday season. You know, I feel like I always watch Star Wars around the holidays as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I've never really been uh, swept away by this movie. 
I mean, it's it's a good movie. It's powerful at the end, especially. But it's not. I mean, I think mostly just because of the subject matter, like the very idea in the first five seconds, they're talking about uh, George Bailey throwing away his life. And I can relate to that on so many levels that I just I never really kept it close. So, right. Yeah, I I don't think that it's something that I'm like, oh, my God, this is an amazing movie. I, I can't believe, you know, I ha- I've waited this long to watch it. Um, I'm really happy that I watched it, but, uh, it's not something that I'm, I'm going to put in my top 10 by any means. I, I think the message is, is really good sure. and I really enjoyed how it, it, it tied everything up. But, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not my favorite Christmas movie for sure. Right. Some people really love it. Some people, it's a tradition for them to watch it every year. Right. That actually leads me to my next question. This is one of those films that tends to be a tradition for families to watch around the holidays. Do you have any film traditions that you absolutely have to watch on or around Christmas? Oh, yeah, man. Definitely Interstellar, but I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so definitely Lord of the Rings. um, And uh, the Lord of the Rings are my favorite movie films of all time. I think there's no uh, question about that. But Basically, I have to watch the extended cuts and I have to watch them back to back to back. So uh, I'm waiting to to carve out the time to actually do that, but it might be this weekend. Uh, but yes, I, I, I watch those around Christmas time and even pretty much any time in December. I also do Harry Potter. So I did that uh, last week. Uh, Star Wars, I try to watch through, but only um, episode five, six and se- I'm sorry, four, five and six. And then... Um, Christmas Vacation, I watch a decent amount. I've actually only watched it once this holiday season just because it's I'm kind of burnt out on it, honestly. I really like it, but I'm kind of burnt out on it. And then when we were kids, we used to do uh, we used to watch a Christmas story because they had the 24 hours of Christmas story on TNT. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. What we would do is uh, I think it started on Christmas Eve. And so we would go stay up in my sister's room and we had a a detached garage when when I was growing up and uh, my dad built like a loft up there. So the oldest kid, they had that room as kind of their own little apartment and it was a rite of passage basically to be up there. But we all had to go stay up in my sister's room while Santa came, you know, so on Christmas Eve, we would sleep up there and then. Christmas morning would come down. But one thing we did was we watched a Christmas story over and over again. I think we got four hours of sleep maybe because we were all just so excited and we stayed up and everything. So it was, uh, but that, yeah, that was the, the tradition. Um, I don't really have any others in terms of movies, but um, I'm sure that there'll be some that will come on there. I know a lot of people like bad Santa and a lot of people like elf, but eh, pass. So I don't know. What about you? Do you, you said you don't have any traditions really. You're just kind of talking about those ones. Yeah. I mean, just Lord of the Rings, but I feel like since I've gotten with Alex, we've, um, we watch that pretty regularly. (laughs) I know. I was going to say, I feel like like every six weeks or so it's Lord of the Rings marathon. Um, taking the Hobbit size and gone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll watch it again. But I mean, I love it. So that's fine. But, um man i will never forget when i saw fellowship in the ring a fellowship of the ring i i had so much candy just hidden in my pockets (laughs) because it was a three-hour movie you know so i came prepared (laughs) and um my my girlfriend at the time who then obviously became my ex-wife um she was working at a candy store and so she bought so much shit and just 
loaded her baby up with all kinds of my favorite candies and i will never forget <laughs> it it's fucking awesome. awesome yeah it was great <laughs> oh shit I'll never forget it. I just remember just every pocket is like it was like a 90s X-Men character where I just had a jacket with 60 <laughs> fucking pockets and all of them had candy. In it. it was great. I had a utility belt with a bunch of pockets. I had a jacket <laughs> with a bunch of pockets I had pants with a bunch of pockets. <laughs> I was jingling and jangling the whole way into the <laughs> nerd boxes. <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty great. Some fruit fruit stripes gum. Yeah. Holy <laughs> moly. It was nuts. And runts. I love fucking runts, especially like the banana. I could I like just chewy, eat like 10 pounds runts. of fucking runts. I don't know what it is. Hurts your mouth, man. No way, dude. I got strong teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I was born with big gum, sir. <laughs> Tuck it in, sir. Yeah. Trip on barbed wire. Tuck that thing under your lips, son. Oh, geez. Anyway, so the beginning of this film is quick to point out that George Bailey is about to take his own life. Pretty morbid way to start a holiday film, especially when so many humans on this planet suffer from mental health issues, particularly around the holidays. At any point, did this film cause you to self-reflect on your own choices and question your happiness? Oh, yeah. The final scene in which George realized he is the richest man in town and then reads the note from Clarence. Oh, my God, man. It just it hit me. It was so heartwarming and it was so wonderful that everyone pulled together for for this man who was just a nice person. And I really I, I lost it at that part. And same thing when he was reading the book and it said no man is a failure who has friends. It brought me to tears and it still does. I mean, I, I've struggled immensely these past few years specifically. And just when I thought there wasn't a way out for me, really, I got inspired by different moments of clarity and, and such um, from just some really remarkable people I've, I've been able to meet. Um, sometimes I get really worked up and I, and swept away with my emotions and it's, it's a bummer. <laughs> uh, but I take things like like this movie, like It's a Wonderful Life, and it helps me realign just how how much I appreciate everything and, and my focus. Um, I love my friends, man. And I, I may not have like the best relationship with my blood family. I've, I've kind of talked about that on episodes. But like my dear friends, those are the only family that I really need right now. And I know that may not sound the best, but honestly, my friends have gotten me through so much shit. And, and I love it. And this movie really hit me in the feels. Um, so it was, <laughs> like I said, the first hour and a half was, was weird. And then the final quarter, I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> it's just a mess. <laughs> right. But right. I, I absolutely loved it because he was such a, a good man. And it just goes to show you that if, if you're good to people, uh, it, it will pay off in the end. And I mean, that's, that's not why you're good though. You're not good because you, you, it needs to be quid pro quo. It's you're, you're good because that's what we should all be as humans and, I think obviously, you know, they sensationalize this because it's a film, but it, it, it's such a beautiful and poignant moment. Um, and then in terms of other parts of, uh, of the movie, like I saw myself in, I, I probably saw myself in, in George when he talks about his travel and his adventure and, and everything. Um, he ultimately missed out, but like I luckily had that re re revelation when I was 27. So I guess if this was 1946, I would have been about in his shoes when he had like three kids. But um, I, uh, I did, I, I have traveled and such. Um, so I do feel bad for him, but there's nothing wrong with the life that he lived. Uh, me being my 33 year old 
self and, and looking at that. There's no nothing wrong with the things that he accomplished. So sure. So yeah. you mentioned the note. Let's talk about the note that Clarence wrote inside the copy of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. No man is a failure who has friends. And that obviously rings true to you. I take it. Um, yeah, like I said before, you know, I, I wouldn't be here if it, if it wasn't for my friends who just who love me. And that's why I love doing this podcast, Justin. It's not about us getting famous or how many followers we have or how many how many advertisements we get. It's about me talking about one of my favorite things in life, which are movies with one of my favorite people in the world, Mr. JCC Cavender. Um, I absolutely love doing that. And I am so very happy to to have a friend like you in my life. Um, I don't feel like a failure. I don't feel like a failure when I when I look back and realize that and realize that people actually like to talk to me. They value my opinion. They reach out to me sometimes. I'm not saying I'm the most popular or the most knowledgeable person in the, in the world, but I'll get messages from people on Facebook that I haven't spoken to in years and they'll say something about, um, I don't know, just like how how thoughtful I was in a conversation, how they've respected me for a long time. And it, it just means a lot to me because it, you really don't, you learn more about yourself and any self doubts that you had maybe kind of diminish. So, and I appreciate everyone for that. So I appreciate you, my friend. Sure. I think um, friends are a lot like auto insurance companies, like where you don't know how good they are until you need them. <laughs> Cause I mean, so many times, you know, someone will reach out to me and ask me for something and I'm like, yeah, no problem. And they're like, really? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah, of course. You know, it's what friends yeah. are for. And then, you know, there's other people like, ah, oh, sorry, can't. I gotta go to McDonald's right now. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, calm down, guy. I know. Um, yeah, I've done a, I've done a pretty good job of uh, kind of weeding out those friends, the ones that only really want to be your friend if, if they need something. And uh, it's not it, they don't want to make an effort to actually talk or, or, or hang out. It's just it's always their agenda. And I just try to surround myself with good people. And I've done a, I've done a really good job of doing that the past like ten, maybe five years, I'd say. Sure. You uh you mentioned followers, which I thought was funny because I just watched that Heaven's Gate documentary on HBO. You know the Cult of Cults, and it's so funny because Alex was like, "She's like, do you know anything about that?" I'm like, "Heck yeah, man! Did it happen on or around?" <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, "Did it happen on or around March 26, 1997?" She looks up. She's like, "Yeah. How did you know?" That? I'm like, <laughs> "I was like, The Devil's Zone came out in theaters that day, and I remember turning on the radio after I came out of the theater, and that news was on." And she was like, "Oh my god, your brain is so crazy. It needs to I be know. studied." <laughs> <laughs> that's so. That's so funny. But yeah, that's that's crazy, man. Tell me more about it. I I only know. I started listening to a podcast about it. Uh, there was a survivor who was talking about growing up in in it, and it was just bananas. But there's not much else I know about it. Sure. Uh, yeah. So basically, there were two people that were leading it, and they it was uh, Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles, and the two of them. Um, basically started this whole cult because they thought that they were uh, like aliens and that they were going to ascend to another form and then eventually <laughs> leave this planet. But and then like all the way back in the fucking early 70s, they, they put out these flyers and I think it was like an Oregon or something. And they got all these people to come and just sort of be a part of their organization. And it was the whole idea was just to be a better human to ascend to this new level. And and then ultimately, 
uh, fast forward all the way to 1997. So, I mean, they've been doing this for years, from 1974 to 1997. Um, they were going to hitch a ride on the Hellbop Comet. And that's when they took their own lives because ultimately uh, Bonnie Nettles, the, they, they went by like uh, Bo and Peep for a while. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and she died. She had cancer and she passed away. And so they thought that this was her coming to pick them up like she was on this comet like a spaceship and she was going to take them all away and so they got to be with her again so i mean part of me kind of admires their dedication you know like and they they literally believed this and they were doing it on their own free will they recorded these videos before they died and uh before they they took their poison or whatever and and it's just crazy to me that that they that they did it and they went through with it and and in their mind just like in with religion you know like if you think that you're going to go to heaven and you know when you pass away and you're not scared because you're going off to you know your lord and savior or whatever to me it's it's pretty similar <laughs> like you can't Absolutely. really argue the two so i mean i'm like all right yeah. well whatever they're they're doing what they think is right and the even more fascinating part is the people that had left the cult before almost had like the survivor's guilt and they were like sad that they weren't a part of it. And then some of them were even taking their own lives afterwards just to Jesus. rejoin their fellow, you know, members. Right. It's fucking nuts, dude. It's it blowing your mind. And it's only, it's four episodes and each one's about 45 to 50 minutes. And we plowed through all four on Friday night. Wow. I just, I couldn't get enough of it. And the thing is I was 17 when it was happening. And so I remember it pretty well. And it happened just down the road from where I'm living now. So um, it's pretty, it hit pretty close to home at the time. I was still living in Southern California when this was happening. And so, um, you know, it was in like San Diego area. And so, yeah, I just remember being totally nuts, but I, I couldn't stop laughing when I was like, was this around, was this on or around March 26th, 1997? <laughs> oh, it's so great. Oh, wow. Yeah. Religion is a weird thing. I mean, it's, it's great that people can believe in something because I think that's what, life is about is just you know enjoying it and believing and, and kind of doing what you do and fuck everybody else if, if they're going to call you if they're going to doubt you and it's weird when people uh start to say oh well i'm a christian and i think scientology is weird or i'm a mormon and i think catholicism is weird or whatever now i i, I know that there are certain levels of belief and uh I don't think any any religion or belief should cause harm to anybody, but uh, it, there is a lot of power involved in in those beliefs, and it's solace for some people. I mean, some people use it to cope through hard times, and others need it to just basically continue on during the day, or they 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 want that thing to look forward to, like heaven. So it's very fascinating, and I think the idea of cults to me is is mind bottling. Bottles the mind. Bottles the mind. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's pretty nuts. I mean, it was everything about this documentary was done really, really well. And so I was really enjoying it. Even these illustrations were really cool. And so it was just presented in a way to where they weren't necessarily crazy, which I thought was a unique approach. I mean, they're telling their story and you can decide for yourself how absurd it is, but they're never really portrayed as being like yahoos or whack jobs or anything like that, which I thought was great. Yeah. I mean, from a, from a documentary standpoint, it's like no matter how hard you try, it's almost impossible to be biased. As soon as you, as soon as you hit cut on your camera, you've literally altered reality. Right. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's 
from that standpoint, I feel like it was done really, really, really well. <laughs> At no point was I ever like, man, these people are fucking crazy. Um, so <laughs> I, think, I think it was just good to hear their story, you know. But I mean, right. it's not it's not it's not for everyone. I mean, obviously, you can make your own judgments, but. I think at the end of the day, they were, they had a belief that they stuck with, and it, and it worked out. And they weren't violent, you know. They weren't like crazy people that wanted to hurt others or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. So, I mean, on while we're on the subject, have you ever been personally affected by someone taking their own life, and did that have an impact on you enjoying this film? I have not personally. Uh, I can't imagine the pain that comes from losing a loved one like that i think i think the world is just a dark place at times and especially during the holidays it it does not help but with kindness and care people should know that they are loved and i mean that's what i would try to implore everybody to to do is reach out to somebody and just let them know you're thinking of them because that may save their life i try to make it a point to be kinder to people or to do little things like say hey how's it going or hey how you been just because I think the avenue through social media really helps. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you want, even texting someone just saying, hey, hope you're doing good. You know, come see me in Seattle or something like that. That small greeting may be the thing to get them out of the rut that they're in, that they're feeling. So um, I fortunately have not had to deal with that, but um, it is very unfortunate for anybody who's had to, uh, to, to deal with that. And it's very sad. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I have... Oh, like there have been multiple people in my life that have sadly gone that route and taken their own life. And I, maybe that's one of the reasons why I didn't really revisit this movie for such a long time, because uh, it did have a pretty tremendous impact on me. Uh, you know, one of my close friends growing up and then through college, uh, yeah, there was one point where I was literally talking him off a bridge on my phone. It was freaking nuts. Jeez. And it was one of the scariest things ever. And then fast forward to like 2005 and um, he asked me to come over and I was so tired. It was like a, it was like a Tuesday night and, and it was like nine o'clock and normally I would just jump in my car and go. I was in Orange County. He was in LA. It was only 30 minute drive. No big deal. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But I just, I, I didn't have the energy. And then the next day I get a call from a hospital that he had uh, tried to take his own life and he slashed his wrists and uh, he was unsuccessful. Thank God. But I had to go to his house and get his get him some clothes and, you know, get him like something to like, you know, books, just things to occupy his time while he yeah. was in uh, getting the care that he needed. And I had to go into this mental hospital and I had to go down to this crazy floor where I had to be searched. Um, and I was left at this table where there was all kinds of crazy going on around me, like people that were genuinely ill mentally like they just they had some hardcore issues and he of course gets lumped in with these people and uh because he needs help you know he was he was literally at rock bottom and in in from a medical standpoint he is in just as bad a shape as, as these other folks but it was hard for me to really see that i'm like oh my god this is my best friend in the world what is he doing in a place like this and it was so scary and i'd never been so cold in my life. And I, I've I've been to Alaska in January and I have never been <laughs> this cold in my life. And it was so crazy. And I just remember getting the call and just crying. I was at work. I was bawling my eyes out. You know, I went and talked to the to the the VP of the company. I was like, look, man, I gotta go. I, you know, my best friend is trying to kill himself. 
And um, I remember he made me sit in his office just crying until I was done because he didn't want me to drive while I was so upset. You know, I mean, it's a very sweet mm-hmm. guy. And um, it was just one of the worst days ever. And it's just crazy to me that that he felt that he had to do that. And of course, I start to feel guilty, right? Because I didn't go to his house the night before. Like, what if I had gone? So I start, I start thinking about all these horrible things. And that's one of the things about uh, suicide is that the person that takes their own life doesn't have to worry about it anymore. But all of those around them are the ones that are affected. And it, and it causes a huge hole in your heart. And it's so nuts. And it's indescribable. And it's happened to uh, family members for me and friends. And... I can't even describe how awful that feeling was. And I don't want anyone to ever have to experience that again. It's, it's so sad. And that's like, if, if it's one of those things where someone just feels so alone that they can't even articulate a way to get help. And so it's just, it's so, so freaking sad. And I honestly think that that's why I had such a long gap in watching this movie because I didn't even want to something in my brain probably just told me, yeah, it's probably not a good idea to watch this movie, Justin. <laughs> right, yeah. That that totally makes sense, man. I'm sorry for your losses. That's way too much for anybody to deal with. And uh, it's brutal. It, it sucks, dude. So And I I mean, part of me is like I feel like I have the easy part because you know, I'm over here, I'm living my life, I'm doing what I need to do, and you know, there's others that are still affected by it. And it's it's just up to everyone to decide when they're ready to move on, and it's a very hard choice and decision to make sometimes yeah brutal so in the story george bailey makes a lot of sacrifices for others he cancels his trip to europe which you talked about for the family business uh he doesn't go to college at it and um (laughs) your mom goes to college (laughs) i I almost said that i changed my mind uh he stays behind to support the family business he doesn't go on his honeymoon surprise because he needs to support his family's business um, that's just the kind of man George Bailey is. Do you think that's a good thing or is George just, just too nice in quotes and, um, and needs to learn when to say, no, fuck off, man. I'm trying to do this here. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> good day, sir. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about someone who cares too much. I feel that term, you know, cares too much. It's kind of this myth or it's just, it's not appropriate because amidst all the cynicism, I think that we have in this world, And amidst all the the hatred and the divisiveness, especially right now, there are still some genuinely great people out there. Uh, How much a person cares for others is kind of unlimited, in in my opinion. It's infinite. It just can't be it can't be limited by societal norms, basically. Um, I thought about Mr. Rogers a lot when, when I was reading this question and I think he said it best. And he said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. And he's absolutely correct. Being selfless is something that we all probably should practice a lot more often because I think with compassion and love in our hearts, we can accomplish so much and we can just help each other. We can be those helpers. Even if George did go on his adventures, did go on his travels, who knows really what his life would have been like? It could have been completely different. Uh, the town could have been Pottersville, you know? And so... Um, <laughs> Westchesterton Townville. West- yeah. 
Are you a doctor? Can you fix this? But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, he he would have seen the world, which which would have been great for himself and for his um, individualism. But what impact do you think that would have made on his soul, basically, on on everything else around him? And I think one could argue that that travel aspect is is yeah that 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 cleanses my soul now. But it's like, is that a real lasting effect you had? Unless you're going to move there and do something different, I, I think it's it's I don't know. I think sometimes it's it's empty. And um, the part that really got me was when Harry toasts and he says, you know, a toast to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. And I'm not dumb. So I knew right away what he meant by the richest man in town. I could see maybe as a kid, I thought I'd be like, oh, was he rich because of the money? But yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, 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 all that? <laughs> he he really is rich just because he, he's surrounded by loved ones who care about him so much because he is the, the most selfish person, selfless person in that town. And uh, all he does is give, give, give. And I think that that's so freaking incredible. That's fair. Do you aspire to be a George Bailey or do you consider yourself already to be one? Oh, hell yeah. I, I totally aspire to be like him. I, I really just want to help people. When I was uh, going through college, I wanted to be a police officer for a good 10 years um, from high school through college and such. I I wanted to basically become a cop because I wanted to look five, 10 years down the road and be walking the beat as an officer and then, and you know, neighborhood kids being like, Oh, Hey, officer Rancor, how's it going? Like, Oh, thanks for helping get my cat out of the tree or whatever. Sure. Um, I wanted to help people. I didn't want to be a cop to put people in jail or to write tickets. I wanted to help people. And I thought cops were the coolest people on the planet. I still have a lot of respect for the police, but there's a lot of shit going on right now where I'm pretty glad I'm not an officer. <laughs> and so it's just kind of one of those things, you know, um, I'm that way with firemen. I st- I'm yeah. 40 years old and I still wave at firemen. As <laughs> I know. Fucking truck drives by. Yeah. I'm like, it's... hey, how's it going? Love you guys. <laughs> what a party with you. Can't wait till the calendar comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It's uh, but it's it's it, it, it is really cool. And I mean, same thing with like doctors and nurses who are just so selfless and they're they're on the front lines right now, putting their lives at risk because people don't want to take this this uh, virus serious and. Our hospitals are almost at full capacity everywhere, and there are people who are fighting every single day who can't see their kids, who can't see their families, who are risking their health so you can get better because you wanted to go get your nails done and go eat Applebee's. Anyways, I won't go on that route, but <laughs> um, it's, it's it's probably why I love Batman so much. I think because Batman is one of those those heroes that he's just a normal guy. Obviously, he has a lot of money, but he trains himself, he focuses himself, and he wants to do the right thing. He Yes, he can get vengeance like on Joe Chill and stuff, but he doesn't kill him. Uh, Joe Chill died by his his goons, his henchmen. Um, and it's Batman is there because he he wants to fight for the people who can't and he wants to stand up for them. Um, so I think it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, man. I, I do aspire to be like George Bailey if I if I can. Oh, good for you. Yeah, what about you? Do you? Are you Mr. Bailey right now? Oh, man, I fucking do favors all day every day no matter what it's just become my my thing i am the favor man and i uh i got a list (laughs) check that twice baby (laughs) and there's gonna be a day where i'm gonna need help and if if any of these motherfuckers say no i'm gonna gonna go to mcdonald's multiple bodies Holy shit. I remember Bobby. She was she was saying, she's like, you're just too nice. And I'm like, 
Bobby, there's going to come a time <laughs> when I'm going to ask somebody for some help. And if they don't fucking do it, <laughs> oh, Lordy, they are going to be sorry. It's like and, in uh, Casino. Casino yeah. when he's like, I, and I do like favors. I do like favors. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or like in The Godfather when he's like, uh, one day and that day may never come, I will call upon you to do a service for me. And uh, I have this book. It's it's all it's all in my head though. I don't, I don't write it down, but I'm just like I'm I'm prepared to cash in, and uh, I better not get no nose. I will I will lose faith in humanity, and there will be fucking murders if I get a no. Well, I'll I'll repay the favor there, party favor. Oh, I'm just I just always I always go out of my way. No big yeah. deal. Just ha- I'm happy to do it. Um. It's just, it's all about being nice. See, my grandmother, she was the nicest human being in the world. And I kind of had, you know, how like in, we were talking about Ready to Rumble, like what would King do? It's literally like, what would my grandma do? And she is just so fucking sweet, the most generous human being in the world. And so I, I just, in in an instant, anytime someone asks me something, there is like a millisecond where I'm like, would my fucking grandma do this? Yes, yeah, she would. God damn it. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll help you out. And so, it's just something that I've always wanted to be. I've always wanted to just be a generous human being. And so I, I tried to be as generous as possible at all times. Yeah, me too. Me too. I feel, I usually feel pretty good about it. I, my, it's funny because uh, someone that I know, I won't say their name, but anytime they do a good deed, they like fucking tweet about it. They text about it. <laughs> I'm just like, you can't can't do that kind of negates you know the good deed side of things it sounds like you're just doing it for for the props is it me do i do no. that I think so. <laughs> just but saved it, a cat from a tree again nbd <laughs> nbd <laughs> as i take a selfie with the cat <laughs> yeah oh man it's just it's just funny when people do that stuff makes I me agree. laugh even like donating i just want to be do anonymous every once in a while i'll throw like a hint that it's me um like if it's for like a friend like to run like a like a crowdfunding thing mm-hmm. you know i'll do an inside joke that only they would get so but it's not good i don't want like like uh like alumnus you know how they have like a building named after him at their college oh yeah i mean i if i don't if i were to give you five dollars i want my fucking name on a building <laughs> i don't need to give no five million um yeah. i already gave my school plenty of money they don't need more they can Me too. eat a fat penis. Anyway, what can you do? Um, so you actually talked about this a little bit, and I wanted you to just kind of expand on it a little bit. But uh, the bulk of the movie is getting to know George. You know, he's a great guy who's helped the entire town of Bedford Falls thrive, uh, even with that no good Mr. Potter trying to stop him. In fact, he's only with the Angel Clarence for like uh, 20 to 30 minutes before everything goes back to normal. Whereas in A Christmas Carol, Scrooge is with the spirit's the bulk of the story. Personally, I found this route to be much more effective than A Christmas Carol. Uh, but it sounds like you were kind of bored with the first 90 minutes. Well, yeah. So, like, retro- retrospectively, I agree with you. I think It's a Wonderful Life was was properly executed in a more cohesive fashion. Uh, but while I was watching it, I found myself bored with that first hour and a half. So, <laughs> You're like, I get it. He's a nice guy. <laughs> right. On. I was like, I get it. What, what, when are we getting to the Christmas? <laughs> so um, it was just kind of a, a really, really long setup. And 
I I wasn't feeling it really. But after I saw that a beautiful ending and then I sat on it and I thought about it, I was like, oh my God, it made so much more sense. So I really enjoyed it if I'm looking at it retrospectively. Uh, for A Christmas Carol, at least that had me hooked throughout the whole movie and especially the Muppet Christmas Carol because I like Muppets. Um, it's great. I know you don't really like Muppets, but it's I great. I don't. To, the worst. <laughs> I know. It's great to see how Ebenezer Scrooge realizes his error and his ways and he ultimately redeems himself. And in It's a Wonderful Life, it is highly effective with an incredibly executed final scene. And I promise there's not going to be a dry eye in the house in that final scene. Did you tear up at all? Did you get sad at all? Or am I the only one? I don't. I didn't cry. Uh, I mean, I cry a lot in movies. Yeah. This one made me feel good, but I, I didn't cry. I mean, I, I fucking... I cry like in, in like Lord of the Rings when he's like, my friends, you bow to no one. I I'm know. Like, oh <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just sitting in my pool uh, my own sick and it's me nuts. too. <laughs> but me like too. this, I I don't. I just smiled. I was like, oh, that's cute. You know, I got like the little chills and everything, but I did not cry. Oh, yeah. It just, I don't know why it just, it got me. It was just so, because I mean, I think. He, he just appreciated his life so much and he, he's running back home, you know, and he's like, oh, hey, Mr. Whatever bank examiner. Yeah, I'm going to jail. That's OK. Like, Merry Christmas. Right. I'm going to go say hi to my family. I think that was his name, Mr. Bank. Examiner. <laughs> it pretty much was. <laughs> and he's just so happy to see his family. He's like, oh, I love this drafty house. And it really helps you to appreciate the things that you have. And I, I think about that stuff all the time where. I'm like, oh God, why can't I have this? Or why why do I have this? Or why aren't my my calves very big? <laughs> and so um, but I stop and I look at it and I'm like, man, I have a good life. I have my health. Um, I have a good job. I can't complain. It's if I'm just complaining, I might as well just yell at the wall. So it's it really kind of puts things in perspective to you and it it totally pays dividend to him. Uh, I guess the only thing that maybe would have put it over the top for me it would be if Potter came back and was like, oh, I'm going to give you your money. I'm sorry. Or someone found it on him or yeah. whatever. Yeah, found on quotes. They're like, oh, yeah, hey, I found this envelope full of cash. Yeah. And uh, also Billy is an idiot for for losing a, a thing of cash that easily. But whatever. Yeah, Uncle Billy. Yeah, he needs to uh, get his eyes checked again. But uh, yeah. yeah. So... I don't know, man. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that this movie uh, was probably overall better, but uh, I do like how Christmas Carol progresses through because I like the ghost of present, past, and future. I think that's a, a fun dynamic. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because it shows who he was, what mm-hmm. he is now, and then what's going to happen when he dies. And it's like a fucking jubilation. Everyone's like, yeah, fuck that guy. But not really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, th- and there's there's aspects of, of this in that. You know, like where he can see what would happen if the world was different. It's kind of like Back to the Future 2. What would happen if Biff uh, took over yeah. the town? <laughs> yeah. The, the alternate 1985. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. No, but I mean, it is something to think about. Because like with the ghost of of Christmas future, you know, and he's like, you know, he's got to see his own like grave and everything. That's pretty nuts. Oh, dude. Absolutely. That would be that would be nuts. You know, it's funny because, you know, just the other day I asked some friends on our Discord chat uh, if they ever think about what people would say about them at their own funeral. And have you ever given that any thought? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't I, all the time. I'll say all the time, but I don't mean like every single day. I'm just saying I've thought about that a decent amount. And when I lost my father at uh, 18 years old, when I was 18 years old, uh, I struggled to think about kind of what I wanted to say at his wake. 
we didn't have a traditional funeral with like a casket or anything just because we weren't religious, but we did have like a, a wake pretty close to, uh, to after his passing. And that was to help my grandmother, um, and just any other family members that were religious, but it, I was struggling really hard, uh, about knowing what to say because I knew that I needed to speak. Um, but it all became clear to me when I realized that he, that there was just, there was a lot to say about my father and that nothing would have been limited. Um, I wanted to, I, I want to be known as like myself. I want to be known as caring, gregarious, joyful, pleasant, kind, charming, sophisticated, smart, passionate, strong, and noble. Um, <laughs> I mean, all right, those things. You should text wrote, it to me. So I, I wrote sure it all, I, I wrote it all <laughs> down. I wrote it all down because I, that's the kind of stuff I want to be looked at. And I looked at as I, I want anybody to say anything about me. I want people to tell inside jokes about me, about our times together in precarious or odd situations. Um, and I don't want a morose funeral. I want a fun celebration of life with like lots of beer, lots of whiskey, lots of hugs for everybody. Um, chicken tacos minus the chicken. But uh, yeah, I, I want all that stuff, man. Um, I've, so I've kind of thought about what I would like people to say at my funeral. And I would just. I don't know. It's 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 pretty cool. So what about yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think about it, but I mean, same thing. I mean, I, I'm a pretty goofy guy and I laugh a lot and I have a good time. So I can imagine, uh, you know, I would want my funeral to be pretty festive. You know, lots of colors, <laughs> uh, just a bright and shiny, happy place. <laughs> I'd be like, your name was Angela, the angel from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you were know, taken from us. <laughs> When the cancer ate your organs or whatever he says. Yeah. <laughs> you can milk Holy you can milk shit. anything with nipples. <laughs> Forgot about your your cat milking days in Motown. <laughs> that was a long time ago, Pam. Oh man. A little Geppetto. <laughs> uh but no, I mean I, I think that uh I, I don't know. I think it would it would be sad. Uh, I've I try so hard to just put a smile on everyone's face, and it would breaks my heart just thinking about people being sad for me. I don't know. It's tough to think about. I know it is. So I don't have a. I don't. That's why I don't have any follow up. I'm like, thanks, man. Thanks for making me sad. I would just, <laughs> yeah, I would just start yeah. quoting things. Sure. Talking about movies. Every, every everybody would everybody would say something. They'd be like, "Thank you so much." And just all the <laughs> all like the, the shit bed. that you say, all sure. the shit that you say. Yeah, sure, sure. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, like funeral something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man! Now you mentioned earlier in the trivia section that "It's a Wonderful Life" is ranked number one as the most inspirational movie of all time by the American Film Institute as of two thousand and six. Uh, what are some of your favorite inspirational movies and do they rank higher than it's a wonderful life? Ooh, um, I'll, I'll list. So I'll list the ones that I think are, are really inspirational, but, uh, the secret life of Walter Mitty into the wild. I know, I know into the wild, uh, Rocky, Rudy Creed, the pursuit of happiness. Those are, those are some of the most inspirational movies I've seen. Even the Schindler's list or the Schindler's, even Schindler's list. I know it's very depressing, but it's, it's in the same vein of George Bailey is where he just, 
the heartbreaking scene where he's like, I, I could have saved more and he just was a good person and, and you could see that. He saved so many lives. I think it's very touching. But uh, I think that th- this movie probably ranks, let me see, I got one, two, three, four, five, six. It's probably ranks number seven for me, probably after all those other ones, just because they resonated better with me. I mean, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, I know you don't really like it, but it, it really did inspire me to travel and to see the world. Uh, so I thought that that was, was fantastic. And same thing with Into the Wild. Um, it really kind of, it really kind of helped me focus on, on my passions and, um, why I love the outdoors so much and just why I like taking chances in life and slowing down a little bit. And then, yeah, same with, with Rocky, Rudy and Creed. They're all kind of cut from that same cloth, you know, the underdog, the 500, the five foot, nothing, a hundred pounds, nothing. And, <laughs> yeah. um, it's. It's pretty great. Creed is Creed is a different, uh, definitely a different type of um, inspirational movie because he's not starting. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's not starting as a a person who's working his way up from the 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 docks. You know, he is somebody who comes from wealth, but he has this this thing hanging over man. his head, yeah. and he has to be his own person, and he wants to break out of that shadow. And I think there's something to be said about that is being your, your own self and proving that you weren't a mistake or like in the fight, in the, you know, in the, in the final fight scene when he's like, don't throw in the towel. I need to finish this. And, uh, he's like, you have nothing to prove. He's like, I just want, I want to prove I wasn't a mistake or something like that. I think it's very touching. So, yeah. but what about you? Inspirational movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think all those were, were really good. Uh, Rudy Rocky into the wild Creed. Those are all good. I think Miracle is another one. I almost put that one too. I love that movie so much. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, Cornheads, you're up. <laughs> Cornheads, yeah. 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 It's great. Got that Again. Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that's probably it for me. I mean, I'm sure there's a million, but um I think Rocky just the character alone, whether it be Rocky one through 18, they're all like, he has his moments, you know, where he, even in Rocky Balboa, the speech that he gives his son. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's pretty great. You know, the whole, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's what winners do. Yeah. I really like that a lot. And I, th- I think that was a, a good addition to the franchise, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's crazy because Rocky is is one of the only set of movies that I could watch uh, any of those and just be so motivated to go work out or to clean the shit out of my house or do something right. Right. And I used to, I, I no joke. I used to uh, watch the Creed trailer when the first trailer dropped and you see Michael B. Jordan just jacked as shit and it's playing this uh, Lupe Fiasco song at the end. Uh, it's it was one of those movies that there are those trailers that really motivated me to do things. And so I'd watch it before I'd go work out. Uh, it'd just be awesome. And then I just be sprinting to the gym, just ATVs chasing me and everything like that. And <laughs> shadow boxing on the streets. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, no, I know. I mean, Creed's, Creed's fucking great, dude. I can't believe, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, my favorite Rocky movie is Creed, which is just absurd to me to think about. I, like, I, no, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's easily on my top five favorite movies. I, I will always watch that movie and I will watch it over and over again because it's, it's so fucking good. I love it immensely. Mm-hmm. And how. And how. <laughs> you should go see it. <laughs> so come over here to go that. Uh, I'm ready for Creed 3. <laughs> Even more Creed. Yeah. 
And, and it'd be cool if there were three E's in Creed. <laughs> Creed. Creed. <laughs> <laughs> like in, um, uh, what is the movie? with Old school. When, um, cheese. Uh, yeah, cheese. <laughs> Did we lock, lock you in the dumpster? dumpster? I got yeah, out. Yeah, I got cool, out. Cool, man. <laughs> it's like, cool, man. Holy shit. I fucking love that. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. after that movie came out i must have said cool man like a thousand times to whatever anybody said to me i thought that was the funniest line in the whole movie that and uh, the guy's like i got a question yeah from the kid, the kid that probably won't get in <laughs> he's like i go to school here so <laughs> he's like and oh man it's fucking great anyway uh Let's uh let's discuss some final thoughts here and maybe give it a little grade, a letter grade. I um I do think this is quite an enjoyable film. Uh it has some kind of weird spunk to it that you only get with the old Hollywood films. The dialogue is something that you don't really see or hear on a regular basis. Just the way they talk, <laughs> the cadence of their speech is just kind of you're strange. gonna have the moon in your mouth and the moon rings are gonna come <laughs> out of your fingers in your hair. I was yeah. like, is that sexy? <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a little weirdo. Yeah, he's a creeper. And he says, say. Say. Show my start, say. But no, I, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's a very charming film. And they did a really good job of recreating that whole, of making a whole town. I mean, it looked like a real place, for crying out loud. And um, I think that it is a, a genuinely feel-good movie. It shows that it's it costs you nothing to be nice to people, especially in a time like this when... Everyone's just kind of at their wits end. And the holidays can bring out the fucking worst in people. You see parking lot fights over just a parking spot. It's like the whole place is crowded and two people are arguing over one spot. And it's like, dude, it's not it's not worth it. You're better than that. Come on. And, you know, this is that time where everyone's mean to, to retail workers and everyone's just stressed. Family's coming to visit. Normally, if, if COVID wasn't a thing, family would be coming to visit. Your, your house just got a little bit smaller. You know, your wallet's got a little bit lighter. Everyone's just stressed during Christmas. And at the end of the day, if you just got to be fucking nice to everyone and it's not that hard to be nice. And I yeah, think that's a little bit of kindness, takeaway. a little bit of kindness goes a very, very long way. Absolutely. Uh, but I mean, I give this movie an A. I think it's I think it's a great Christmas movie. Um, I, I don't even think it necessarily has to be a Christmas movie. I think at the end of the day, it's just a kind of cautionary tale. Like just fucking be nice and be aware of, (laughs) of, of who you are. And, 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 um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, that, that, that quote is actually pretty brilliant with, um, uh, Harry or Clarence Clarence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the friend, the friends one. Yeah, how does it go again? Uh, um, no man is a failure who has friends. Yes. Um, and I think that is 100% true. Absolutely. Um, My cup runneth over. Exactly. We were talking about that uh, couple, I think it was during the Her episode, we were talking about that Eddie Vedder song where he's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lucky man, I can count on both hands the ones that I love. And like as soon as he starts singing that, I just like start crying. I'm like, oh my <laughs> yeah. god, I had the best friends <laughs> in the whole wide world. And um, so, I mean, I think that that's true. I, I I mean, yeah, I like money, but I like having people that care about me more. Yeah. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want the money. Yeah, I agree, man. 
Um, I think this movie is an A for me as well. Uh, but before I jump into my other thoughts, did you, I want to talk about Tom Sawyer really quick. Sure. Uh, you read Tom Sawyer, right? <laughs> I did a long time ago, 27 years ago. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, mine wasn't 27 years ago, but mine was a long time ago. So I don't remember much about it, but I did think it was pretty, uh, on the nose when he had the book and he's like, Oh, I got Tom Sawyer and he's drying it out. And then he ultimately gives it to George as a gift. I thought that there had to be some sort of correlation. So I went to the old interwebs and I found some Reddit comments on it. And, uh, user somewhere in 72 says, I think I've watched it almost every year since I was about 13, but until I watched it last night, I never thought much about why the book was in there. I did a bit of a refresher this morning, and I think that there might be more to it than just the funeral. Uh, so what they're basically saying was there's a parallel between, uh, Tom Sawyer and George Bailey, because in Tom Sawyer, he watches his own funeral and he has right. this kind of him self-reflection. And his, him, him, Huck Finn and that other kid are mm-hmm. missing. Yeah, they ran away to go swimming or some shit, and then the mm-hmm. town thought that they died, so they had a group funeral for the three boys. <laughs> and yeah. They show up like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Some's calling Mary, some's calling Sue. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. Yeah, that's so, Huck Finn. Oh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, user username somewhere in 72, he says, I think that there's some slight correlation between George Bailey and Tom Sawyer, almost as if George had the sort of upbringing of Tom Sawyer and wanted to continue those boyhood adventures into his adulthood. He wanted to build cities. He wanted to travel the world, etc. But then life happened. And to him uh, and he. Oh, oops, sorry. But then life happened to him and he had to grow up. It's been years since I read Tom Sawyer and I'd forgotten that there's a character Muff Potter in the book and Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life. I sort of doubt that's just a coincidence given the inclusion of the book. And um, yeah, I thought that that was uh, that was fascinating. Um, yeah, Muff Potter is the one that has to go to jail that Injun Joe like frames. Mm-hmm. So like they're like grave robbing and then Engine Joe kills Dr. Robinson and then um but but Potter is like a fucking drunk and so he passes out and then he wakes up and it's like a dead hooker in his hotel room and he's like, wait a minute, I guess I killed this hooker kind of thing. <laughs> and uh and then and then uh Tom and Huck are actually they see the whole thing transpire, but then they, they do like the they do bloodborne pathogen swearing and they rub blood with each other <laughs> and then they say like, "Hey, we're not going to tell anyone." But then eventually, when uh, Mister Potter is uh, about to go to jail, uh, Tom's like, "No, that's not true. That yeah. you know, Engine Joe did it." Yeah. Well, and and uh, yeah, it's been a while, so maybe I need to revisit that book, or I can just watch the uh, the movie, <laughs> the one with Jonathan Taylor Thomas or whatever. See the one that did it. I don't know. There's one called Tom and Huck. <laughs> I thought there was one called Tom and Huck, but I could be wrong. Oh, there might I, be, yeah. Yeah. So I just remember uh, the Elijah Wood uh, Huckleberry Finn movie. Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, I but, read it um, in Mrs. Thomas's class. Oh, I had Mrs. Thomas. Mine, Mrs. Thomas, was married to Mr. Thomas, who oh. was a math teacher. So he was a math teacher and she was an English teacher. And he used to make fun of her in class like crazy. He would say that because she was uh, Native American and he mm-hmm. would say that. Um, if she's good, we'll go outside and howl at the moon. I'll give her a beef jerky and a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Jesus. He would say that to the class. Like, dude, wow. that's your wife, bro. <laughs> you can't be talking about people like that. 
It was terrible. That is pretty crazy. I don't like that. I don't either. Fucking beef jerky and a Dr. Pepper. What an asshole. (laughs) Uh, So in terms of my other final thoughts, though, I I just I'll say this. I can't believe I hadn't seen this movie before. Uh, It's definitely not one of my favorite Xmas films, like I was saying, but I really, really liked it a lot. And it's a must watch for anybody who hasn't seen it. And I think I would go as far to say it's, it's good to watch annually. It just kind of helps realign you, I'll say. It's like a massage for your, for you your soul or a, or a chiropractic visit. This movie is about the power of community versus individualism and how it shapes us. During tragic events, we can find solace in, in the joys of others collectively, um, and this really eases our worries. The cohesive love and the care exuded from our social circles help us cope through tough situations. Uh, as opposed to I- I- idealism or individualism, I should say, we are, we're only relying on our self-will and resilience, uh, which can also be really troublesome at times. It's, it's hard to get out of ruts when you're, when you're by yourself, really, in all honesty. But you should never doubt the power of a support group of friends. I, I wouldn't be the person I am today if I weren't if it weren't for my friends. I love each and every one of them, and I and I appreciate all the new friends that I've made via avenues like Twitter or Instagram or any social media. You know, even though I may have not met some of you guys in person yet, I care about all of you and all of your well being. And y'all inspire me every day, every day, twenty four seven. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And that is all I have to say about it's a wonderful life. Well, you're welcome. The girl said something about a check. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, what's that from? <laughs> the Grinch stole That's Christmas. right, yeah. The girl said something about a check. <laughs> Coming down the Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, my God. When he's, like, standing on top of the mountain, like, hate, 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 hate. And he's Double like, hate. Loathe. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's so funny. That's it, I'm not going. <laughs> Oh my god. He's like, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna throw up and then I'm gonna die. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. But, Man, yeah. That was twenty years ago that movie came out. I love that movie. I think it's so underrated. A lot of people didn't like it when it first came out, but I really like it. I think it's I think people just have a problem with Jim Carrey. He's kind of a kind of a Yahoo. Whatever. That's what uh, whatever. It was a it was a perfect Dr. Seuss movie. I loved it. Yeah. I mean I think it's good. It's definitely better than Cat in the Hat. That movie fucking sucks. <laughs> it's true that is pure rubbish <laughs> as we like to say on this show uh, but great well said my friend well said I uh, just want to point out that um, on the topic of this movie and, and it's grim outcome that was almost to be uh, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available 24-7 you can call 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org for more information and resources, there you can read stories of hope and recovery, get help now, or on the flip side, support your local center for others in need, join the network, and raise awareness. Uh, the world can be cruel sometimes and take everything away from you, but you are not alone. You are loved and appreciated. We all need help sometimes, and it's okay to not be okay. Just want you to know that. Uh, on that note, too... So it does say that 988 is going to be the national suicide hotline number starting in 2022. I know that's a year away, but that is something also to look for. That will be nice. So it can be an emergency number of 988. Um, But please follow the 1-800 number that Justin just provided. And we love every single one of you. I am serious. Give you all hugs. There you go. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, man. Is that it? Is that the show? That's it. Take us out. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. I apologize if I have a lisp. It's because of my aligners, I swear. And uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at DB you know Crazy Pod. No, my brother's a speech therapist. So. <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, remember, follow us on Twitter at DB Crazy Pod at Edgy Armo and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show. Happy, happy holidays. Thank you for tuning, tuning into this one. Uh, we will be doing Elf for the next episode, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but in future episodes, you can tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next, I keep saying episode, but for our next episode. Uh, please be sure to also check out our other fantabulous podcasts, uh, the Geek Legacy Podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. It is awesome. It is great. They're a bunch of uh, wise guys, see, and they just laugh as well as the Pixelated Podcast with Stephen K. James and Justin, and they talk about video games. I love them so much. Just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.